0: The reasons and causes of apostasy from the truth or doctrine of the gospel and the inclination of all sorts of persons thereunto in all ages inquired into and declared uncured enmity in the minds of many against spiritual things and the effects of it in a wicked conversation is the first cause of apostasy. I shall lay down that principle which I presume all men will give their assent to, namely, that a defection from the truth of the gospel once professed is a sin of the highest guilt, and that which will issue in the most pernicious events. God himself frequently complains, by his prophets of old, that his people had forsaken him, and were gone away from him, that is, from the doctrine and institutions of his law. The only means of conjunction and communion between him and them, Deuteronomy 28 verse 20. 1 Samuel 8 verse 8. To convince them of their horrible folly and iniquity in this, he demands of them what iniquity have they seen in him. What inequality in his ways, what disappointments they had met with, that they should grow weary of his laws and worship, so as to relinquish them for such things and ways as would end in their temporal An eternal ruin, Jeremiah 2 verse 5. Ezekiel 18 verse 25 For if there were nothing in them in which they had cause to complain, if they were all wholly just, and good, if any observance of them there was great reward, if by them God did them good and not evil all their days, there was no apology or excuse to be made for their folly and ingratitude, yet so it was with them that their defection from the law and institutions of God was the highest folly and greatest wickedness imaginable, is all by acknowledged. Yea, it will be so by them who at the same time are under a greater guilt of the same kind. For the judgments of men are oftentimes so bribed by their present interests, or corrupted by the power and depraved affections, says to justify themselves and worse evils than those which they condemn in others. But, as it was with the people of old, so it is at present with them who decline from the mysteries or renounce the doctrines of the gospel, after they have received and professed by them, or have done so at any time, yea, their guilt has greater aggravations and accompanied the adulterous revolts of the Jews of old. For the gospel is a clearer revelation of God, and much more glorious than that which was made by the law. There is therefore no reason to be taken from itself why men should desert it, either in its doctrines and precepts or the worship which it requires. Nothing can be charged on the gospel, nothing on anything contained in it or produced by it, which should countenance any in a an defection from it. It is in itself a blessed emanation from the eternal fountain of wisdom and truth, and has more impressions and characters on it, of divine excellencies in the whole creation besides. Neither has it any proper operations or effects on the souls of men but what are means and causes of deliverance from their original apostasy from God. With all the evil that ensued thereon, which is all that is evil, for the recovery of lost mankind from a state of darkness, bondage and misery, into that of liberty, light and peace, The present favour and future enjoyment of God with order and mutual usefulness in this world while they continue in it is a great and immediate design of the truths of the Gospel. Neither is there anything that is truly good, holy, just, benign, or useful among men, but what is influenced by them and derived from them. Some there have been indeed, perhaps in all ages, who, pretending to the liberty of it, have really been servants of corruption, and have turned the grace of God into lasciviousness. And some have charged the principal doctrines of it as those which give men a discharge from a necessity of holy obedience, and the utmost use of their own endeavor therein. And there are those who, being given up to sensuality of life, living under the power of darkness and the pursuit of secular ends, have no other thoughts of it, but what the devil's and the possessed man had of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did it comes to torment them before the time. And there are not lacking some who fear no evil, but from the gospel, who suppose that the minds of all men would be serene and peaceable, that all things would be quiet, flourishing, and orderly in the world if the gospel were out of it. For whatever disturbances men make themselves in envy, wrath, malice, persecution of others, the guilt and blame of them shall be charged on the gospel itself. And it is notoriously known how a false pretense of some grants made in an appointment settled by the gospel has been made use of to countenance some sorts of men in the crafty acquisition and violent possession of worldly power, grandeur, and wealth, venting themselves in an ambition, cruelty, luxury, and pride of life. But the iniquity and folly of all these abominations, cursed artifices of the father of lies and fountain of malice shall be. If God will, elsewhere discovered. At present, I shall take it for granted that in itself it is a glorious representation of divine wisdom, goodness, grace, and love. Neither does it produce any effects but that in which God is the immediate author and will be the everlasting rewarder. Therefore, the reasons and causes of apostasy from the part of the gospel under present consideration, that is, the mysteries and truth of its doctrines, must be searched for in the minds of them by whom it is forsaken, with the external furtherances that accompany them. It is not unnecessary it is not unnecessary such an inquiry should be engaged into, for things are in that posture and condition in the Christian world in this present age, that if it should be supposed that the lives of professed Christians make a due representation of the gospel, that the generality of men were led and influenced into that course of life and conversation which they openly pursue by the doctrines and principles of it. It could scarce stand in competition with heath and philosophy, for usefulness to the glory of God and the good or advantage of mankind. It is not, therefore, the gospel, but it is apostasy from it which has produced so many deplorable effects in the world." and which by drenching mankind in wickedness makes way for their misery and ruin. And this, and the vindication of the gospel, will be made in some measure to appear in the discovery of the cause and reasons of this apostasy. For let men pretend what they please, unless they have first forsaken the gospel in their hearts and minds. They would not. They could not forsake all rules of holiness and morality also in their lives. Again, the prevalency of this defection is so great, and the neglect of men either intent on their private occasions, desires, and interests, or captivated under the power of it to the approbation of the greatest and most dangerous evils, so visible and shameful, is that every sincere attempt to warn them of their danger, to excite them to their duty, or direct them in its performance in which the progress of this product of the councils of hell may be obstructed and themselves defeated, not to have a candid reception of all those who have a due regard to the interest of Christ and the gospel in the world, or the everlasting concern of their own souls. These are the general ends which are aimed at in the ensuing discourse, and if anyone of greater abilities for this work shall by this be provoked, or take occasion from this to make a more diligent inquiry into the causes and reasons of that defection from the glory and power of Christian religion which prevails in the world, and shall upon this account prescribe more suitable and effectual remedies for the healing of this epidemical distemper, I shall rest abundantly satisfied in the success of this attempt and essay, and the reasons which present themselves to my thoughts or theses that follow. 1. That rooted enmity, which is in the minds of men by nature to spiritual things. Abiding uncured under the profession of the gospel is the original and first spring of this apostasy. So the apostle tells us that the carnal mind is enmity against God. Romans 8 verse 7, that is, to the revelation of the will and mind of God in Christ with the obedience which he requires to this end, for the things does he their discourse, the nature of this enmity and how it operates on the minds of men I have elsewhere declared at large, and shall not here again insist upon it? It is sufficient to our present purpose that men on various accounts may take upon them the profession of the truths of the gospel, while this enmity to spiritual things abides uncured, yea, predominance in their minds, so was it with them of whom the apostle complains that under their profession they manifested themselves by their wicked lives to be enemies of the cross of Christ. Philippians 3 verse 18. It those also are who professing that they know God, yet in works deny him, being abominable and disobedient, and to every good work reprobate. Titus 1 verse 16. Thus. Upon the first preaching of the gospel, many were convinced of its truth, and took upon them its profession merely on account of the miracles that were wrought in its confirmation, whose hearts and minds were not in the least reconciled to the things contained in it. See John 2 verses 23 and 24, Acts 8 verse 13. Some are so far prevailed with as to acknowledge his truth by the efficacy of his dispensation as an ordinance of God for their conviction and instruction, and yet do not part with their enmity against it. Thus John was among the Jews as a burning and a shining light, and they rejoiced for a season in his ministry John five thirty five insomuch that the body of the people were initiated into his doctrine by the token and pledge of it in baptism, Matthew 3, verses 5 and 6. But though all of them confessed their sins according to his direction, very few forsook them according to their duty. When both these concurred, preaching and miracles, in an eminent manner, as when our Savior preached on his feeding five thousand with five barley loaves and two small fishes, Being prepared in their minds by the miracle they saw, they were so affected with his doctrine about the bread of life that came down from heaven, that they cried out, Lord, evermore give us this bread, John 6 verse 34, but their natural enmity to spiritual things being yet uncured. Upon his procedure to instruct them in heavenly mysteries, they put in exceptions to his doctrine, John 6 verses 41, 52, and 60 and immediately forsook both him and it. Verse 66. And her Savior assigns the reason of their defection to have been their unbelief, and that it was not given to them of the Father to come to him. Verses 64 and 65. Where the enmity of their carnal minds was yet unremoved. Hence what they esteemed a hard and unintelligible saying. Verses 52 to 60 is true disciples understood to be the words of eternal life. Verse 68. In the process of time many are prepossessed with notions of the truth of the Gospel in their education, or by the outward means of instruction that have been applied to them, but yet, notwithstanding this advantage, they may still abide under the power of this deprivation of their minds. Evangelical truths being by these or the like means entertained in the minds of men, which are also variously affected with them, they will move and act towards their proper end and design. And of this, there are three parts. Number one, to take off to soul a man from rest and satisfaction in itself. is to present peace in the condition in which it is, and hope of future blessedness by its own endeavors. For neither of these are we capable of in our depraved apostate state. Therefore, the first work of the gospel is to influence, guide, and direct the minds of men to renounce themselves as to these ends and to seek after righteousness, life, peace, and blessedness by Jesus Christ. Number two, the renovation of our minds, wills, and affections into the image or likeness of God is another part of its design, and as it does by presenting spiritual things to us in that light and evidence with that power and efficacy, is to transform us into their likeness, or to bring the substantial image of them upon our whole souls. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18, Ephesians 4 verses 23 and 24, and Colossians 3 verse 10. Number 3. It engages the whole soul, in all its powers and faculties, through the whole course of its activity, or in all it does, to live to God in all holy obedience. Romans twelve one. But, when this work, or any part of it, is urged on the consciences and practice of men, They don't like it in any measure. The uncured enmity in which we speak rises up in opposition to them all. It begins to suppose that it has admitted a troublesome inmate that came in, as it were, to sojourn and will now be a judge. While the mind is exercised only about the notions of truth and speculation and reasonings, it is satisfied and pleased with them. Yea, it will come to a compliance with its guidance to a number of things and duties which it may perform and yet abide upon its old foundations of self-sufficiency and satisfaction. Mark 6 verse 20 But when in pursuit of the ends before mentioned, the gospel presses to take men off wholly from their old foundations and principles of nature, to work them into a universal change in powers, faculties, operations, and ends, to make them new creatures. It proves irksome to that enmity which is predominant in them which therefore stirs up all the lusts of the mind and the flesh, all the deceitful policies of the old man and powers of sin, all carnal and unmortified affections and opposition to it. So spiritual truths are first neglected, then despised, and at last on easy terms parted with. For men by conviction on rational grounds or motives, whether natural or spiritual, may receive that as truth and given an assent to it which, when it is reduced to practice, the will and affections will not comply with it. So it is said of some, Romans 1 verse 28, It did not like them, it did not please them, they did not approve of it, to hold, retain, or keep God in their knowledge, or to continue in that acknowledgment of him in which they were convinced. The inbred notions which they had by the light of nature with their consideration of the works of creation and providence gave them conceptions and apprehensions of their being and power of God, verses 19 and 20. By this they are said to know God as they did with respect to the things mentioned, that is, the essential properties of his nature, his eternal power and Godhead, verse 21, This knowledge. These notions and conceptions did immediately direct him to glorify him as God. In holy worship and obedience, as it is expressed in the same verse, but this through the deprivation of their minds and affections, they did not like it, and therefore would not retain this knowledge of him, but gave themselves up to all abominable idolatries and brutish lusts, which were inconsistent with it. As the apostle at large declares, Therefore, is to divine things that are conveyed to us by natural light. And such as is unavoidable to all mankind, the will, the affections, and the practical understanding are more vitiated and corrupted than are the perceptive and directive powers of the mind. And so it was that all the world who had nothing to conduct them but the light of nature, apostatized from its guidance and lived in contrariety to it. They were all rebels against that light which they had, and so will all mankind be without the special grace of God. It is so also with respect to truths communicated by supernatural revelation. It is given as a character of those who were to carry on the great apostasy from the mysteries and worship of the gospel, that they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Second Thessalonians 2 verse 10 The truth itself as to the profession of it, they did receive and own for a time, but such an approval of it, such a love to it, it should incline them to obedience or the improvement of it to its proper ends, that so they might be saved they neither had nor endeavored after. They made them prone on all occasions and temptations to forgo and relinquish the profession of it, to change it for the vilest airs and grossest superstitions in such a posture of mind. Men's corruptions will prevail against their convictions. First, they will stifle the truth as to its operation and then reject it as to its profession. Let other notions be proposed to them more suited to the vanity of their minds or the sensuality of their affections, and they will not fail of a ready entertainment. These are examples among all sorts of men, so Though any have imbibed persuasions and opinions, even such as are false, vain, and foolish, and have riveted them in their minds by powerful interest or inveterate prejudices, neither the evidence of the truth nor the fear of danger can prevail with them for their renunciation or relinquishment. All false ways in Christianity and that of Islam gave us examples of this, but we have two general instances of it that may well fill the minds of men with astonishment. The first is of the Jews who, for so many successive generations, under all manner of difficulties and calamities, continue obstinate in the most irrational unbelief and apostasy from the faith of Abraham their forefather, and the expectation of all their ancestors that can enter into the heart of any man to imagine. For many generations, those who from among them have been so convinced of their folly is really and sincerely to embrace the gospel. Scarce answer one to a century of years. The other is in the church of Rome. It is known how the communion abounds with men otherwise wise and learned. But kings and rulers of the earth do adhere to this. And this they continue to do and will do so, notwithstanding that the errors, impieties, superstitions and idolatries of that church are so many and so manifest. Other instances there are sufficiently pregnant to events that no opinions in religion can be so foolish or contemptible, but that some will be found pertinaciously to adhere to them against all endeavors for their relief, either in the way of God by rational and spiritual convictions, or in the way of the world by persecution. It may be more may and will be found to be obstinate in air upon trials, with difficulties, dangers, and oppositions, than will on the like trials be constant in the profession of the truth. I mean among them who together with its external profession have not received its internal power and efficacy, with the love of it in their hearts, for both sorts, receive their notions and apprehensions of things in the same way and on the same grounds of appearing reasons. Though the understanding be imposed on and deceived in the one and not in the other, but air once received under the notion of truth takes firmer root in the carnal minds of men, then truth does or can while their minds are so carnal. And the reason of it is because all air is some way suited to the mind, is thus depraved, and there is nothing in it that is enmity thereunto. Neither in itself nor any of its effects does a mind dislike it for being fallen off from this first truth and goodness. It wanders and delights to wander in crooked or bypass of its own. For God made man upright, but to have sought out many inventions, Ecclesiastes 7 verse 29, these it pleases itself with and is conformed to. For there is somewhat in every air to recommend itself to the vanity or curiosity or pride or superstition of the carnal mind, but it is otherwise with evangelical truths, which the mind disrelishes because of its innate enmity to the things which they propose and exhibit. Hence it is easier for the most part to draw off a thousand from the profession of it have no experience of its power and efficacy in their souls than to turn one from an erroneous way especially if he get be confirmed in it by interest and prejudice and so it is at present in the world every sort of party of false professors as papists and others carry off multitudes of common professors from the truth which they had owned but seldom do we hear of anyone recovered from their snares nor need any seducers desire a great advantage than to have admittance to their work where persons live in an outward profession of the truth and inward enmity to it. They shall be filled with proselytes unto satiety. This as the fundamental cause of that apostasy from the doctrine and truths of the gospel which has prevailed in almost the whole visible church, had the generality of men received the truth and the love of it, had they not had a secret enmity in their hearts and minds against it, Had not things vain, curious, and superstitious been suited to the prevailing principles of their minds and affections, they would not, they could not, upon any suggestions or temptations so easily, so universally have forsaken the gospel for the traditions of men, nor gone away from Christ to follow after Antichrist, as we know them to have done, but when an external profession of the truth became to be transmitted from one generation to another, the spirit and power of it being wholly neglected, men did but wait for opportunities gradually to part with it and give it up for anything else that was suggested to them, many in the meantime setting their wits on work to find out inventions suited to their lusts and corrupt affections, that it was thus with them who were carried away with a great apostasy that they did by all outward means and means in their lives and conversations manifest it so it was with them shall be afterward declared and had it not been so with them the event complained of had not ensued and in this lies the present danger of the persons churches and nations which at this day make profession of the gospel for if a pressing trial or vigorous temptation if a coincidence of various ways and means of seduction befall them who have received the truth but not in the love and power of it They will hardly be preserved from a general apostasy, for when any attempt shall be made from without upon them, they have treachery from the deceitfulness of their own hearts at the same time working in them. For their uncured enmity against the truth does but watch for an opportunity to part with it, and reject it, anything that will but free them from the efficacy of those convictions or power of the traditions under which they are held captive to the profession of the truth it's aware whether they will or not, shall be cheerfully embraced and complied with. And the danger of this does sufficiently evidence itself in that open dislike of the rule and conduct of the truth which most men testify in the whole course of their lives. It is plain, therefore, that unless this enmity be conquered or cast out of the mind, unless the mind be freed from its corrupt agency and effects, unless the truth obtain its real power and efficacy upon the soul, unless it be so learned, as it is in Jesus, in which men put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and are renewed in the spirit of their minds, putting on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness, unless they love and value it for the effects of spiritual peace, power, and liberty which it produces in them. There will be found among them little constancy or perseverance in their profession when temptation shall concur with opportunities for a revolt. For who can give security? That which has formerly fallen out amongst the generality of mankind shall not in any place do so again, where the same causes of it do again concur we may easily discern what are the only true effectual ways and means of the preservation and continuance of the true religion in any place or among any people where it has been professed, especially if temptations to a revolt should abound, and the reason be made perilous by advantageous opportunities. Love of the truth, an experience of its power in the hearts of men, will produce its effect and nothing else will. All other means, where these have been lacking, have failed in all places in the world, and will do so again when a time of trial shall come. True religion may be established by law, countenance by authority, have a prescription of a long profession. Or be another accounts so fixed on the mind's of men, as that multitude shall promise a firmest stability in the profession of it. But there is no security in things of this nature, and we shall quickly see all the hopes that are built upon them vanish into nothing. Convictions or traditions to those whose power a secret enmity is retained may make a bluster and noise for a season, but every breath of temptation will carry them away before it. Were it not so with the most of men, it had been possible that so many nations in less than an age should fall into Arianism after the truth had been so long known and professed among them, or that the body of this nation after a blessed reformation should again relapse into popery, as in the days of Queen Mary, when many who had professed the gospel cast others into flames who continued so to do. It is greatly complained of that popery increases in this nation, and some express their fears of its further prevalency and that perhaps not without cause. And although there are several other ways in which men may and do apostatize from the truth, yet all those who take any other measure of things besides their own secular interests, with the corrupt affections of their minds, in wrath, envy, and revenge, look on this as far the most dangerous as that which will be most compliant with the predominant lusts of the present age and most comprehensive to receive the community of men. Besides, by what it is done formally, it sufficiently instructs what it is likely enough to do again. Therefore, very many industriously attempt its prevention, as that which would prove, if it should prevail, deplorable, ruinous to the nation and their posterity in it, to descend some implore the aid of authority for the enacting of severe laws for the prohibition of it. This, according to the opinion of late ages, some suppose the most effectual means for the preservation of the truth. First they can but destroy all that otherwise minded. The rest of mankind will have the face of peace to them who were advantaged by this. Some write books, in the confutation of the heirs of it and add to a very good purpose. But in the meantime, if there be anything of truth in reports... The work is as effectually progressive as if no opposition had been made to it, and we may assure ourselves that these and such like means as these, if they are alone, will never keep popery out of England, if it should ever have an advantage and opportunity for a return, nor prevent the entrance of any other false way in religion, as for the use and severity of penal laws, I don't meddle with it." Is that which is to be referred to the wisdom of our governors, but I must needs say it seems not to be to the advantage of truth, or at least not to the reputation of them by whom it is professed, that they should no otherwise be able to preserve its station amongst men, neither can it be honourable to any religion that where it pretends to all the advantages and rights of truth and is in the real possession of all outward emoluments and supports, yet, that it cannot secure itself or maintain its profession without outward force and violence, things so remote from the first introduction and planning of truth in the world. But these things are not of our present consideration? As for the confutation of the air, superstition and idolatrous practices of the Church of Rome, in books of controversy it is no doubt a good work, useful and necessary in its kind, But when all is done, these things reach but a few, nor will divert many, from other occasions to the serious consideration of them. Therefore, some way or other must be fixed on and engaged to secure the truth and interest of the Protestant religion among us. And this is no other but the effectual communication of the knowledge of it to the minds and implantation of the power of it on the hearts of the people." This is that alone which will root out of them that enmity to evangelical mysteries and spiritual things which betrays souls of men to apostasy. Unless men know what they are to value religion for, and what benefit they really receive by its profession, it is irrational to expect that they will be constant in it when a trial shall befall them, if once they come to say, It is vain thus to serve God." Or what profit is it that we have kept his ordinances? They will easily admit the yoke of any falsehood or superstition that pretends to gratify them with the greater advantages. And at one time or other it will be no otherwise with them with whom this enmity is predominant. But on the other side, when God, by the gospel, shines in the hearts of men to give them the light of the knowledge of his glory in the face of Jesus Christ, when they find their consciences set free by this from the intolerable yokes of superstition and tradition, and have by the word of truth which they profess, their are begun anew to the hope of eternal life, their inward man being renewed and their lives reformed by this, that their expectation of a blessed immortality is well founded on it, and safely resolved into it. They will, through the effectual supplies of the Spirit of Christ, abide constant in the profession of it, whatever may befall them. On these terms, on these experienced evidences of truth and goodness was the gospel first entertained among men, and the reformation of religion first introduced into this nation, for although a number of other things concurred to its reception and establishment, yet If the minds of multitudes had not received any experience of its power and efficacy to the ends mentioned, it would never have been of any permanency among us. The mere outward form of true religion is not able to contend with that appearance which error and superstition will present to the minds of men, is knowing how much they stand in need of it. The things I know are by some despised, They suppose they have sure ways and better expedients for the preservation of the profession of the gospel amongst us in its own power and efficacy. What those ways are we need not conjecture, seeing themselves declare them continually, but they shall not be here spoken to. But it is to be feared that they may be filled with the fruit of their own imaginations when though things shall fail them in which they have placed their confidence, Therefore, if there be a neglect about these things in the ministry and others whose duty it is to promote them, the issue will be sad. It may be beyond what is feared. For if the body of the people be suffered to live without any evidence of an acquaintance with the power of that truth which they profess, or any demonstrative fruits of it in a holy conversation, we may cry out, Popery! Popery! As long as we please. But when temptations, opportunities, and interests concur, their profession will fall from them as dry leaves from a tree when they are moved with the wind. The apostle tells us that those who went out from them were not of them. For if they had been of them, they should have continued with them. First John 2 verse 19 They were among them by the profession of the truth, or they could not have gone out from them. But they were not of them in the participation of the power of the truth a communion of which with the Father and the Son. For if they had, they would have continued with them, that is, steadfast in their profession. This is that which ought to be fixed on the minds of all persons concerned, of all that are zealous for the truth of the Protestant religion, or are obliged what lies in them to provide for its preservation. When things are come to the appointed season, when they are issuing in that period which they have a natural tendency to all other expedients and devices will be of none effect. A diligent communication to the body of the people through the dispensation of the word or preaching of it. Of the power of the truth they profess and all of its blessed effects, whereon they will have an experience and witness within themselves of the reasons why they ought to abide constantly in this profession, will alone secure the continuance of the gospel in succeeding generations. All other means will be ineffectual to that end, in so far as without this, they are or may be effectual. It will be of no advantage to the souls of men. that there is a danger at all times of a defection among professed Christians from the truth has been before evidenced that this danger at present has many special circumstances rendering it dangerous in a peculiar manner. Is in like manner acknowledged by all, such, as call these things under serious consideration? And it will not, I presume, be denied, but that every man according as he is called and warranted by special duty is obliged to his utmost endeavors for the prevention of her of from the truth. The whole inquiry is, what is the best way, means, or expedient to be plied to this end? And as I say, is only by the diligent ministerial dispensation of the word, for such an exemplary zeal and holiness in them in whom it is dispensed. And all other things requisite to the discharge of that work as may reconcile the hearts of the people to evangelical truths, beget in them a delight and obedience, and implant the power of the word in their whole souls. The lack of this was that which lost the gospel in former ages, and will do. So wherever it is, if this are those which are to come, and I shall not in my own thoughts blamably digress from my present subject if I confirm this opinion with some few obvious considerations, for number one, it is the way and only way which God has ordained, and which he blesses to the end and purpose. None will pretend, as I suppose, that God has appointed any other way to bring men to the profession of the truth, but by the preaching and dispensation of the word alone. When they are wrought upon, are convinced by it, so as to give up themselves to the profession of it, it will be hard to find an ordinance of God of another kind for their preservation therein. When the apostle took his last farewell of them who were converted by his ministry at Ephesus, he commended them to the word of God's grace which, as he judged, was able to build them up, and to give them an inheritance among all them which are sanctified, Acts twenty first 32. A man would think it were a more difficult work to convert men from Judaism or Paganism or any false religion to the profession of the gospel than to retain them in that profession when they are initiated therein too. For in that first work there are all sorts of prejudices and difficulties to be conflicted with and not the least advantage from any acknowledged principles of truth. But as to the preservation of men in the profession of truth which they have received and owned, to work on many accounts seems to be more expedient and easy, if therefore the dispensation of the word, as it is God's ordinance to that end, has been a sufficient and effectual means for the former, what reason can be assigned, and if it should not be for the latter also, without further force or violence. It will be said that the first preachers of the gospel were furnished with extraordinary gifts in which their ministry was rendered effectual to the first conversion of the nations. But whereas now as those gifts cease, the efficacy of the ministry does so also, and therefore stands in need of such outward assistance as the former did not, I say, for my part, I wish it all the assistance which those to whom it is committed can desire, so that no force be offered to the consciences or persons of other men. But why shall we not think that the ordinary gifts of the ministry are sufficient for the ordinary work of it, if the extraordinary were for that which was extraordinary, to speak the truth, the difference lies in persons, and the discharge of their duty, and not in the things, gifts or duties themselves, for all those who are called or profess themselves to be called to the preservation of the truth of the gospel and the work of the ministry, is conscientiously diligent in the discharge of their duty, is well fitted according to the rules of the gospel, with those ordinary spiritual gifts which are necessary to their work and calling, it is fully represent the design and nature of their message to men in holy conversation, If those first appointed to the conversion of the nations were and did according to their larger measures of grace and gifts, the work would have had a proportionate success in their hands to what it had in the beginning. But while those to whom this charge is committed neglect the use of this means, which is the ordinance of God to this purpose, that the truth of the gospel be preserved amongst men, whilst either they judge that the principal end of their office is to capacitate them for secular advantages and to give them outward rest in it, with the enjoyment of all things which to the most in this world seem desirable, and therewithal think fit to betake themselves to other expedients for the preservation of the truth, which God has not appointed nor sanctified to that end, it is no wonder if faith and truth fell from amongst men. The apostle foresaw that a time would come in which some men would not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts would heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, who should turn them away from the truth and turn them to fables, Second Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4. And we may say what course he prescribes for the prevention of this evil, that it might not proceed to a general apostasy. It must also be observed that the advice he gives in this case so ordinarily directed to one individual person, who is immediately concerned, yet it lies in charge on all, that are or shall be called to the ruler of ministry in the church, His course he proposes in verses 1, 2, and 5 of that chapter. I charge you before God, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine, watch in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of your ministry.